As promised, we have an exorcist joining us. Stay tuned. Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 podcast coming to you fresh, live, and in full effect. What is going on, everybody? Thank you again for joining us here at Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 Podcast, TBT Hosea 4-6 for short. This is your boy, Trevi Trev. Trevor, coming to you again, building on last episode that Jamal and I did, talking everything, exorcisms, demon possession, the whole nine, building off our Halloween mini-series, which was a hit. If you didn't catch that, we had Joseph Jordan talking about aliens, UFOs, and a demonic connection. Trust me, you don't want to miss that episode. That was very good research that will blow your mind. Why do those things leave at the name of Jesus? What's up with that? Why are people going off record talking about how powerful the name of Jesus is? Then Dr. Michael Heiser stopped by to talk to us about a particular view of origin of demons, the Nephilim, giants. Is that where demons descended from or fallen angels? What's wrong with Revelation 12 as Dr. Heiser unfolded for us? Uh, then Jamal, we, we capped it off with the preliminary for what's coming to you today, which you're getting ready to listen to us. Joining me, no other than the Reverend Dr. Father Eric Junger. Welcome, sir. Thank you. You're way too kind with the titles and all, but thank you for the privilege of letting me be here. Oh no, I'm I'm so excited. I, um, we understand what's uh the hurricane that swept through, uh your neck of the woods uh, previous week, and we got hit. It wasn't as bad here in Richmond, but we we still nonetheless they closed schools, and I never knew I was at work. And my boss said, "Why are they closing schools?" I said, "I don't know." She said, "Oh, the hurricane coming through." I said, "I had no idea. Been busy." So. <laughs> I'll nonetheless, be uh, we don't have to carry that leaf blower around anymore. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Well, it's, it's fall, so they're going to fall regardless. So, and we're, we're li we live in woods where my wife and I was at. So, our yard's pretty covered already, but it's fall and she loves sweaters. I love coffee. And what, what a more better combination than that? <laughs> but if you guys have been paying into our social media, we've been advertising. We are looking forward to this. Uh, Dr. Junger is an exorcist. That's right. He's not the kind you might see in Hollywood and, you know, uh, Demi, Demi, why are you doing this, Demi? You know, if you remember that part from the Exorcist movie, my mom had me, Dr. Young, when uh, my older brother, I'm the youngest of three boys. Um, so she had us always watching horror films, you know, even though we was in church, it was horror films. And so um, I never forget the Exorcist, you know. It wasn't terrifying to me as, as you know, what some people say, man, tell you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But as I shared in the last episode, I saw a demon being cast out of a lady in church. And so, you know, it wasn't from the, it stuck with me. I'm 33 now. It was like, it, I was even five or seven years old. And it, it's just something that stuck with me. I never, you know, have been terrified, you know, so to speak. And, you know, if you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we Christians, we have nothing to fear. 
you know, and so that's something. But um, Dr. Younger, thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we proceed in conversation. Well, certainly. Again, thank you for letting me be here. Um, my Most of my life, the uh, first part, has all been quite secular, uh, mm -hmm. as you would expect. I spent 20 years in the military, first as a hospital corpsman, then as a physician assistant. Went on to finish a doctorate in forensics with a, uh, a graduate uh, survey in forensic pathology. Did my fellowship in forensic pathology and was a deputy medical examiner. And mm -hmm. then I retired and got this crazy idea. I wanted to be a cop. Um, I went and uh, was a homicide detective. And I spent uh -huh. uh, nine years in homicide and another five in um, uh, crime, uh, crime scene investigation, excuse me. And ultimately went to uh, State Department where my wife's been a career State Department employee. And we went overseas for 10 years. And uh, we both just retired here short, uh, recently. Uh, but I nice. felt Jesus Imagine. tapping me on the shoulder since oh, high school. Mm -hmm. uh, did my best to ignore it. Um, wanted to, uh, couldn't believe it, didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. um, was thinking I was imagining it. And finally, I just had to finally just stop and listen. And when mm -hmm. I did, I um, was drawn to uh, a very deep sense of study, um, which it just became a hunger that I could never get enough of. I'm sure you're well familiar with how that goes. Once God's oh, yeah. word is in your system, you never get enough of it. Yes, and, sir. Uh, it's like the best stew you could ever eat. It, it never yeah. fails to satisfy. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't make you gain weight, though. Uh, not, like, <laughs> not like stew does. And, Spiritually. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'll take all that weight I can get. Yes, sir. Yes. I um, studied uh, for many years, received a master's degree in uh, Catholic theology, and uh, but I went the Anglican path. Mm -hmm. um, that was uh, something that spoke to me well. Um, uh, was received into the Anglican church and ultimately uh, ordained deacon and priest um, mm -hmm. over the years. And then um, here I am. And this has been something that uh, I hadn't anticipated that like many people mm -hmm. you know as someone who is a strong man of faith you you don't you don't know where god leads you and when he does sometimes you're kind of like are you sure yes yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird oh, yeah. but it seemed oh, yeah. uh my my background in medicine and investigations and so forth seemed to lend it very well and um i uh have studied in rome uh in their in their school of exorcism and i lecture there now uh, twice a year uh, we, we would have had a course just last october but covid unfortunately put an end to that so we're hoping to have another one in april um and i am uh, an exorcist in the missionary diocese of all saints within the anglican church of north america and mm. within the Ang anglican church of north america or the acna uh, we have the Society for Special Pastoral Intervention, which is a series mm -hmm. of, which is a, a collection of society, if you will, of exorcists throughout the ACNA in different dioceses who are together as uh, we, we confer with each other. Uh, we, um, we're, under the, we're under the auspice of our bishop and uh, cases come to us all the time and we uh, coordinate, we help investigate, uh, see what's going on. And uh, from there, start planning how we can help the person and get local uh, local boots on the ground uh, to help mm -hmm. us with the circumstance. And for the vast majority of cases that are not uh, possession, but they are oppression, they're infestation, they're other problems. Mm -hmm. We, in, we get the wheels turning to get them the help and care that they need. Nice. Nice. Um, and can you, can you tell us briefly for some audience that may not be inclined ecumenically um, about the Anglican church, you know, it's a it's a very well known 
I at least I know I know um, Anglican Church very well. Um, is it is it part of the Church of England or did it come from the Church of England? Yes, the Anglican Church. Okay. Uh, originally, the the Church of England was the the seed, if you will. Um, the uh, United Kingdom, of course, Britain at the time. Uh, England mm-hmm. had uh, tremendous. Um, expeditionary desire, if you will, it went to all over the world uh, mm-hmm. and settled in different places. And with it, Anglicanism came along with it. Um, mm-hmm. And basically what we have now is you have the Anglican communion, which is made up of 39 provinces. And each province is a ge- geographical area, frequently a, a country, uh, but mm-hmm. sometimes it can be uh, like in the United States, we have the Episcopal church, which is mm-hmm. um was the province here in the U.S. for the longest time, uh, but because of recent, in the past 15, 20 years, they have embarked upon a path that was uh, theologically not acceptable to the larger Anglican communion or most of us who were in it, and the Anglican Church in North America uh, came place, and it was one of those rare circumstances where the two, the two entities live in the same geographic area. Uh, mm-hmm. The Anglican Communion is, they're basically, uh, each province is, is, in, is under the uh, shepherd uh, control of a uh, archbishop, mm-hmm. and then they have dioceses, uh, much like the Roman model, if you will, with a bishop in charge mm-hmm. of each diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, where the difference is, is the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Canterbury is called uh, para et param, which basically mm-hmm. he's the first among equals. Um, it, we don't have a Pope in the same sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it would probably help uh, because everybody, you have all these sometimes discords when people decide they want to do something different. So it's a little mm-hmm. harder at times, but uh, all of the archbishops come together An archbishop who's in charge of a geographic area is called a primate. Mm-hmm. And the primates will meet uh, every year or every uh, four years, whenever a meeting is called and, and work and talk and, so forth and so on. And uh, so it's the, the communion is we are the second largest denomination, a Christian denomination in the world. Uh, most people don't know that, uh, but we yeah. are. Um, That's the first I've heard. Yeah, we are the, sure. we're the second largest. And um, uh, we cover, I think, just about every, every continent and most, almost every country has uh, an Anglican, is as an Anglican province in it. Um, again, and here in the U.S., people are most familiar with the Episcopal Church, but um, they're they're currently uh, censured in the yeah. communion. So the ACNA is is and the other part that many people are now hearing about, and, and I won't, we'll get into the politics of all that. Is for a different time and place, I suspect. But um, yeah. that's Anglicanism, and we are okay. um, all over the place. Is um N.T. Wright is he Anglican? Yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. He was Bishop of Durham. Correct. Yes. And the, yes. And the, okay. the big thing, too, with Anglicanism is we, we have our, our liturgical styles are like essentially three different. Some people have called them streams. That's never been an official term. And I don't want to mm-hmm. bore you with all this, but we have a very profound evangelical branch, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that um, uh, sometimes is even charismatic, if you will. And it's a tremendously large part of Anglicanism. The bulk of Anglicans in the world are south of the equator. Uh, Africa and South America uh, have easily four-fifths of the Anglicans in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, tremendous, tremendous spirituality that profoundly uh, 
uh, they, they will, they'll make you sit back and, and, and have awe at their unbelievable mm-hmm. faith. I mean, makes me feel ashamed all the time. Um, and they, but profoundly evangelical. Uh, you will also have a, a, what we call the Anglo-Catholic, which is where mm-hmm. I'm at, about 10%, 10-15% of the Anglican Church is Anglo-Catholic. We are, we're Rome before the Vatican Council. I mean, we're old school. We, mm-hmm. uh, we will still say Mass facing the altar with our back to the congregation. We, we say it in English, although some of us do know the Latin. Um, and it is very a very formal liturgical style uh, that um, is it is pre-Vatican II liturgy, pure and simple. But uh, and then you have the via media, the folks in the mm-hmm. middle who they like a little of each, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And so Anglicanism has this this broad scope of liturgy, but where we will not and do not stray is on the creeds, what we believe, what yeah. is our statement of faith. We, we mm-hmm. don't deviate from that. Um, and where there have been deviations as of late, it's causing a great deal of distress because the vast majority, we don't, you don't screw around with God's word. This isn't, yeah, this isn't the game. And again, yeah. I don't want to, uh, that's a whole No, different. no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good because it's going to build up to our conversation. All right, so you went, you military, uh, you left, uh, you retired military, you went to a uh, police officer, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. You felt God, you always knew God was calling you to tap. If it sounds like me, I, I always ran um, <laughs> until it's kind of like, bam, stuff happens to you. And he's like, all right, Lord, you know, uh, for me, it was, I was reading um, Elmer Town's theology book. And he said, you know, when you're called to pass, he said the difference between the pastor and the deacon is you feel the burden. And I started weeping tears. I was like, right, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank that you. Mine, I, my, the whole thing, the exorcism came at the same time because I was um, interrogating a homicide suspect who mm-hmm. had strangled his wife. I don't know how graphic you want to get here. Oh, t- detail it, please. Okay. Well, he strangled his wife uh, and then cut the uh, fetus out of her abdomen, mm. um, killing the child. And he had, um, he kept uh, strangling her into unconsciousness and then would release her, let her live for a second. The only reason we know this is the one older boy dialed 911 yeah. through the phone on the uh, sofa. We could hear this as all of our units are racing to get down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, we, we caught him. He, he escaped, but we were able to find him a few days later. Um, and I was interrogating him. And um, he had the educational background of about sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to him, talking to him, and it just, it was exhausting. Uh, um, kind of, he was just uh, babbling in, in a lot of ways. Not, it just, it was just this kind of droning on and on. Plus we were all very, very tired. Right. And I was talking to him and I, and he was muttering uh, something. And I remember just sing, uh, saying to myself in Latin as a, as a reflex, muttering to myself, um, uh, idiot, because we had just talked about how he killed his wife and everything. And it just, and it was because, she wouldn't respect him enough. Mm. And my, and it wasn't, it was not professional, but to myself, I muttered, you know, idiot in Latin. And all of a sudden he snapped at me. It looked at me dead in the, dead in the eyes and his entire expression and mood changed. And he, um, he, 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 he said back to me, uh, call me an idiot. You filthy monkey. Your time will come. Mm. And were you, his, were you ordained at this time? I was, I was a deacon. I was in the process at the time. And, um, this, I I still get chills when I think about it, but this wave of hatred 
hit me like a brick wall. Mm. And it was one of those things where, you know, you, you don't work all, you know, you don't work in those f- uh, fields without having a certain load of skepticism and people's responses. And, and it's, it's um, and the look in his eyes had completely changed. They, they, uh, they, they, they took on a very blazoned uh, look of anger and hatred. Uh, and again, I, I will say that, you know, I've been a detective for a long time, so mm-hmm. I know how to observe these things. I'm not prone to, you know, missing obvious signs such as that. And uh, his response to me was not only those words, but it was also in Latin. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who had a sixth grade education. Wow. Uh, and certainly, certainly wasn't no Catholic, wasn't right. no Anglican. And, uh, and then as soon as it was there, all of a sudden I could see it fade right off of his face and he was right back to where he was again. Oh, wow. So that was one of those ones where you leave the room and you're rather shaken by the Mm. whole thing. Mm. Um, And from then on, that was a reality check for me. And then I kept finding once again, myself in these situations where problems were coming up that maybe had a different route. Right. Realize that maybe I talked to my Bishop and he's like, well, (laughs) you know, just keep right. praying about it and listen to what he's telling you. Right. And so, here we are. So. Right. So that, that first incident is what propelled you to become an exorcist or, or to seek out how to become an exorcist? Yes. Well, to okay. at least discern whether that's what God wanted. Okay. Okay. So what's the, what's the process like if, you know, if, if let's say, you know, somebody's Anglican, um, you know, whoever that says, I, I feel like God wants me to, to take on this ministry as an Anglican, What's the process like? What what are the steps like? Well, for in Anglicanism, we are um, we have we are a hierarchical denomination. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, bishops uh, in charge of the diocese and so forth. And typically, uh, if you were um, and and also within uh, the Anglican Church, we have a deliverance ministry. So there's two different functions. You have the exorcist, who is specifically for the possessed. Mm-hmm. And then you have a deliverance ministry is for people who are oppressed. In other words, Satan has not assumed them. He has not uh, gained control of them, but he's attacking and needling at them, wearing them down. We remember St. Paul uh, had a, that thorn in his side right. uh, that God had sent. That was a demon that was yeah. oppressing him to keep him humble, but it could, but the demon could not enter him. Mm-hmm. And for most people, it's uh, oppression is a um, is the larger issue and it's handled in a completely different way um, that book that you showed we talked about earlier from dr peck yeah uh, he speaks of that distinction very well and mm-hmm. francis mcnutt uh, who recently passed away his may his soul be at peace uh, was a phenomenal writer on the topic of demonic oppression and how that the use of prayer teams and deliverance ministry differs from exorcism in that how it's approached mm-hmm. um and basically it's using people as a shield to force the demon away and it's yeah. um it's a different approach i'm sure you're very familiar with it um mm-hmm. so in the anglican church we have both of those functions um for exorcists they must be uh, ordained clergy uh, mm-hmm. and they must be priests um mm-hmm. because scripture has pointed out time and time again that that is within that place. Now you'll see a lot of differences, of course, in different denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, but with an Anglicanism, you have to be trained, you have to be licensed by the bishop. Um, because to be fair, there is um, liability issues, which is not 
And that's the least of my concerns, frankly. <laughs> my bishop is now cringing at my saying that. But the fact is, I'm much more worried about doing the right thing for the person at hand. And there are times when trying to do an exorcism on someone who is not possessed, mm-hmm. but has a psychiatric disorder or a medical disorder that could be exacerbated by that, you don't need to be doing it. So you have to be extremely careful. You have to study a lot you have to take training courses you have to be overseen by the bishop and there are bishops within the anglican church of north america that do not want the ministry they don't want to be responsible for it and i have fellow priests who when they hear that it's not something we openly advertise simply because you know you get a lot of interesting responses and i i get plenty already just because somehow my name's become on the internet, it seems like everybody knows where to find me now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, simple, it, simple Google of Protestant exorcism and your name pops up. Which is fine though, because frankly, as far as I'm concerned, if people need help, I want them calling. Right. Uh, and we have resources within our within the ACNA that we, we give training programs routinely. We have one we're looking at for April. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the deliverance ministries that are within the diocese, each diocese will train their deliverance ministry teams excellent programs and it works very well um whereas the exorcist it's a one-on-one between the priest and the demon in deliverance ministry it's the community of believers who Mm -hmm. are shielding their fellow believer from these external forces trying to come in and it's um i think it's i think having the two together is a fantastic idea and it works very well right and so i remember when i was um i had to take two pastoral counseling courses in seminary the first one we dealt with heavily the difference between mental illness um somebody that may have a physical you know ailment like uh polo uh, polio i can, i have a hard time pronouncing that we had the vaccine now um right and you know at certain time periods it's like if people like well they, they're possessed man you know but later on it's medical science it's like nah they just you know have some issue um versus somebody that may perhaps actually you know, be suffering from, you know, maybe be possessed or oppressed. Is that how the Anglican churches, did they walk you guys through um, the telling the difference uh, oh, yes. mental health? We, training? Yeah, we, uh, within the Anglican Church of North America, we have what's called the Society for Special Pastoral Intervention, which is mm-hmm. essentially a society of Anglican exorcists within the ACNA. Uh, we are modeled after the, um, the uh, uh, Order of Exorcists in Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Father Dermin in Rome is the he is the provincial master of them, and I know him well. He's a very good man, and we we have gratuitously copied them, <laughs> without question. Um, but we confer with each other. We have a um, uh, we, with my forensic background, I do a lot of the work that involves uh, investigating the, the physical phenomena and events. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a psychiatrist on staff. Uh, Canon Mark Quay is the he is in charge of the society. He is the president. He has a long history of pastoral counseling. Most of us, uh, he and I both have doctorates in pastoral counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Dr. Isaacs is our also a priest, but he is our psychiatrist and mm-hmm. well versed in these things. Uh, he he looks at cases from the psychiatric perspective. Um, when we have people who are we're, we are considering whether or not they need help. We have them undergo medical and psychiatric evaluations. We mm-hmm. look through their medical records. We investigate all these aspects of it to make sure this is truly, 
truly what needs to be done. And a lot of times with cases, you know very quickly that that's not what's needed. Right. It, something else is needed. There are telltale signs that we don't advertise, and it's not the stuff that you see on TV or the movies. Mm-hmm. Those are not the signs we look for. But we don't yeah. advertise them, obviously, because people will, for various reasons, try to fake them. And uh, right. So uh, okay. So let's let's um let's jump right into it. That's I think it's a perfect perfect blend. So you're talking about things that you all don't advertise. Somebody emails you, calls you, comes to the church and say, um, "Doctor Younger, I think I'm possessed, or I think my son's possessed, daughter's possessed." what what is that like what are the steps like do you sit that person down and talk to them or do you, do you immediately go into trying to exercise the spirit we that's the last thing we do um the, the first thing we will do is just talk mm-hmm. and uh there's a lot of dynamics that are involved in this for a lot of people they can be demonically oppressed mm-hmm. but they don't understand the distinction mm-hmm. there, there's a subtle point when the forces are coming outside of you and when the forces are inside of you working out and, mm-hmm. and there's a tipping point where that happens. Um, and uh, a lot of it relies on the strength of the demon. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the big arguments that people say is, well, Christians can't be possessed. That's sadly not true. Mm. Certainly not been my history experience in it. Um, otherwise, the armor of God that you and I spoke about, why would you need that? Mm. And uh, when St. Paul tells us that we are struggling against principalities and dominions and so forth, he's not talking just external. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, Judas, remember what it said in scripture, when Jesus told him what you must do, do it quickly. And the very next sentence is, and then Satan came into him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the devil came into him. And people will argue, well, you know, he wasn't really a Christian. Well, that's an easy and convenient uh, argument against it. But the problem is I've had many people, when you hear their spiritual lives before something started happening, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I wouldn't argue their faith. And that's not our job anyway. Right. Um, but what we will do is we will sit down and talk to them at great length. They'll, they'll say that the Holy Spirit fills them. So there's no room for a demon. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't have mass. Okay? It's not like right. a glass of water. So uh, we're constantly influenced uh, uh, so that it is constantly waged in battle against us. It's just a matter of degrees. Um, but I, I, I go, I'm going off track. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Help yourself. We'll spend a great deal of time just talking to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times um, you look for the motivations of why people are coming in. Um, a lot of times people see exorcism as a magic, uh, not a magic act, but they expect, they see it as being um Something that a, a hocus pocus and poof, now, okay, you're okay. Have mm-hmm. fun, go home. Doesn't work that way. Um, and, or a lot of times they're, they're, if it's a loved one, uh, they are so tired and so frustrated at trying to make things work that they are so hoping mm-hmm. that it's an external cause because then they can wrap their head around the fact, I've done everything I could to help here and it's not working. It has to be something external. And they are convinced that their loved one is possessed when in fact, nope, Mm. nope. Uh, And so, but sometimes they are, it does happen. Um, But you, but usually it's extensive talking either with the person Mm -hmm. uh, or with a family member. I will say that when the person comes in and says, I'm possessed 99% of the time, no, because if you were, you wouldn't be sitting in my chair. Right. Right. Uh, That's a very big piece of it. Um, 
one one I will say one common thing that Ken and Quay will do on occasion is if he's meeting with someone, he'll sprinkle the chair with holy water and let it dry, mm-hmm. and then the person will come in and sit down, and he just watches because normally you and I wouldn't know anything about it, right? Right. Not if they got a hitchhiker inside. Oh yeah. Yeah, that 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 is not pleasing to them, mm-hmm. and you watch the reactions. Just there's just things, but um, talking to them, learning about them, learning about their their family, what's their spiritual life been like, what kinds of things have they been into, even when they were young. A woman right. that I, I again I can't go into too much because of privacy concerns, but when she was young, what she would do with her friends is they would go make Ouija boards. Mm. and they uh, would make them out of cardboard and so forth. And they would actually use them to try to call demons and want to get favors and want to have things. And, and of course, the problem is, you know, be careful when you knock on that door, because when something answers, you may not want it. Right. And the problem with an invitation is once you make that invitation, they don't have to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the unwanted house guests that won't go home after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so it's just, uh, you, these things, the occult and those kinds of problems are so profoundly inundated yeah. in these cases that we have with people because they think that it's harmless, but what they don't realize is once you initiate that bridge mm-hmm. connections made, and now they start chiseling away and sometimes it can take years. There are cases where it's almost instantaneous, mm-hmm. uh, but usually now they got to wear you down. Yeah. And a lot of that's based on the strength and faith of the individual themselves. They got to mm-hmm. chip away at it. Remember, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there that Satan doesn't care about because he's already got them. Right. The people that deny God, and I'm not picking, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody, but the people that say God's not real, he's a waste of time, I don't have any need for him, Satan doesn't got to worry about them. He's already got us low-hanging fruit, man. He don't right. need it. It means a whole lot more for him to be, because his whole purpose is to spit in God's eye. And mm-hmm. forgive me for the crudity of that statement, but that's all he cares about. That's the mm-hmm. stuff we hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going after the the believer in a lot of ways, ooh, there's a prize right there. Oh, yeah. Hold so on. I, I hear you You were talking about you were talking to him. So obviously you probably, you and, and, and the other exorcists in the Anglican um, confession are probably running down a checklist, you know, probably mentally. Is that, does that oh. sound like something y'all would, okay. Oh, we have a real checklist, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I, I was I seen where the Catholic Church has a checklist. We do the same. Yeah. We have we have like a psychosocial uh, paperwork that we have them fill out and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have an entire process. I hate to say the term SOP. That that sounds so uh, you know, business-like, <laughs> but it is because you've got to make sure you cover all those bases. Um, and a lot of times, too, if I have uh, a lot of these requests are coming from people who are not anywhere near me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not Anglicans. They're some aren't, many aren't Christians. Many of, mm-hmm. many of them are just people who feel like they are being attacked and plagued. So what we try to do is we coordinate a lot of the work with a local pastor. If they have one, uh, I've had uh, the one lady I talked to with the Ouija boards. It took me the better part of six months to be able to get her into a church because every time she'd get into the parking lot, she'd start vomiting. Mm. Uh, and so what we would end up doing, and then she'd mutilate herself and all these other kinds of things. So what I would end up doing is every day I had her just park one parking space closer to the door, mm-hmm. uh, but I, we're on the other side of the country, yeah. but I needed to get her in that door so she could start working with the priest. And, um, and, and it took weeks to where she could finally get to that front door. 
and I coordinated with the priest there and he was just standing politely at the door. And it, and it, it has to take, God wants us to make the choice mm-hmm. and he wants us. I mean, he could snap his fingers and make anything stop, but then we're just puppets. We're pets. We're not anything more than that. That free will can be a real pain sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he, he wants us by our decisions to choose the path we want. And the priest just made himself available there. And she finally was able to fight. And it was a fight to get through this, to get to that church and get inside. Mm-hmm. So we will coordinate a lot of that work with the local ministers, priests, pastors, whatever denomination, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and start really working through a process. We try to restore them first off to whatever spiritual life they had before. Because mm-hmm. if it's a true possession, they've been chipped away from it. Yeah. And usually the family is bringing them and saying, this, this, she used to go to mass every day. She went to church on Wednesdays, Bible studies all through the week. And then she just kind of drifted away. And that's that mm-hmm. chipping process that demons do. You got to establish that first, because if you don't have that, if an exorcism is successful and they're not, they don't have that foundation again. Remember when Jesus said that the demon will leave and he will come back with seven more. And right. he will find that the house is swept and clean and they'll, they'll now evade, all will invade it. You got to have the back. You got to have the logistic support. You got to have the backup. So we mm-hmm. try to make sure that's all part of this process. And if it's an oppression situation and not a possession, that's already there then. And that's perfect because then they'll be back in that state where they can have that support and the guidance of a ministry team that can re support them and bring them back into the family and shield them from these attacks. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's lots of checklists. There's a lot of uh, conferencing. We counsel with one another uh, mm-hmm. as needed to, uh, and all of this has to be done through your Bishop because the Bishop is the one who gives us the license to act. Right. Um, you'll, I mean, in scripture, people were able to exercise without, they weren't, the, the, the word presbyter, which became priest, was not something that was seen until sometime later. Overseers were the actual, when we hear about Paul and Peter and the apostles, they were actually bishops. That was their job. They did not establish the priesthood until later because there just wasn't enough to go around. And they give certain authorities. So, But there are people who uh, believe that they can do exorcism and drive out demons and so forth without the need of somebody wearing a funny hat to tell them that they can do it. Right. Again, there's danger in that too. You have to be careful and methodical for obvious reasons. Right. Um, I'm doing way so, too much talking here. I'm sorry, brother. No, no, no. You're fine. I, I, this is you. Okay, trust me. You're fine. So the importance, like you would, you would warn against, you know, believers today stay away from the occult because it seems like, um, at, you know, like when I'm looking at First Samuel 28, mm-hmm. a lot of people when they don't hear from God, I've got to run to the air quotes the next best thing was to them was like a psychic a tarot card reader you know the ouija board palm readers but in all actuality that's a gateway you you yep. are literally opening the door you know is that common is that like the number one common thing you see with cases when i start doing the background histories on people and i start talking mm-hmm. to them about their walk in faith or if they have no faith at all what when did problems start mm-hmm I cannot tell you how many times that that's been the circumstance where they've had 
some kind of work in the occult. And for people my age, I mean, I'm in my 60s. So when you talk about the occult to me, I remember the satanic church when it started in the 70s. And, and the, the whole, uh, the movements of the Ouija board. I mean, the Ouija board was created by an attorney. Uh, and it was, and it uses we oui and ja, the two words for yes in French and German. And uh, the, the, this whole, uh, the, they originally thought it was, it was just an interesting, it's one of the highest selling games still to this day as yeah. a board game. And you'll talk to people who, they are Christians, but much of their early culture has occult practices. And sometimes it can be simple things like, Charms, good mm -hmm. luck, pieces, things such as that in Italy, the stregas, the streganonas, the, the witches and so forth that will, the good witches, if you will, that will, um, they can make you love charms and, and potions and all these other kinds of things. You're drawing that power from somewhere. Right. Um, and we have seen the power of curses and hexes. Uh, many people will laugh off the whole idea of witches and so forth and so on. Do not underestimate the power of intention. Mm. Uh, just as a Christian's focus and intention in prayer is strong, so is a person's intention to do harm. Right. Tap on the, just as we tap on God asking for his grace, you tap on the, the source that wants to be malevolent. <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised. But people want instant gratification. Let's be realistic, brother. You and I can spend our entire lives trying to be faithful Christians. Mm -hmm. we, we believe, but we will not know until the time we die. Mm -hmm. People want it now. And right. in our culture, they want power now. They don't want to have to wait. Mm -hmm. So all of these temptations to have revelation, to, to see the future, to have power, we self-actualize in this day and age. We don't want to have to wait for God to give it to us. Come on. And he right. may not. I want it now. And right. I want to do it through my own power because I don't want to rely on anybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to rely on a God I can't see to give me power. I'm going to do it on my own. And that's what mm -hmm. does it every time. Right. And they'll pray off of it. Um, I know, I know we talked briefly before we, we started to record. Are you, are you able to share with any stories? Um, and you, you know, you can be general as you want. If not, it's okay. Um, um, of exorcism. I have to be again, careful because there are HIPAA requirements, um, mm -hmm. uh, the privacy acts and so forth. I, I will say again, first off that if I have a hundred cases, Mm -hmm. Easily 98% of them, 98 of those cases are going to be demonic um, oppression, and even more so is infestations. We deal with demonic infestation, and this is where demons uh, take, uh, have taken uh, residency, for lack of a better term, in a mm -hmm. physical object. Yes, frequently it's homes, but there are mm -hmm. a lot of times when it's a physical object of some type, and you will, um, if you've ever been around these objects, uh, for me, it's nausea. If I get around one, I can get nauseous. I'm not nearly, there are people who are, and they're not priests. There are many people within Anglicanism, Catholicism, who are very sensitive. They are mm -hmm. very aware. And we use them on our teams all the time. You vet them, you validate them. You're not looking for people that want sensationalism or say, hey, look at me, I got these great powers. No, that's not who I want on my team. But there are people who have tremendous sensory ability when it comes to this. 
the idea being is that we all had what's called preternatural gifts. Remember when mm -hmm. you said that sometimes people seek oracles, whatever, right? We all inherently have the desire to reach out to the divine, to God. Mm -hmm. It's in our heart. Mm -hmm. It's written there. He put it there. It's just sometimes we take a weird path. And right. the idea is, too, is that we had preternatural gifts. Remember, we could walk with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in his presence and weren't destroyed. Moses couldn't look at God because he'd have been killed. None of us mm -hmm. can. So, but we still have threads of that in us. And some people, some people, a lot of people argue, well, that's not true. There's no such thing. It's like, uh, you do this work long enough, you start to see some stuff where it's like, I think there's some credence to that. And they're mm -hmm. very helpful for us in discerning things like infested objects that can be contaminated. They can be cursed. Um, uh, this one woman, I had the old Ouija boards that she had, I had them burn them. She had to burn every one of them uh, mm -hmm. because burning is one of the only ways that completely destroys the power of what's in it. Um, and she, she felt uh, liberation even then. She could finally go back into the basement after that. Okay. Um, but there are times when you have to be careful. We had a woman who was constantly having um, images, dreams, if you will, of a um, of this giant. It, it's called a zoichime in Japanese. Is what it is. But it was the best example of the, of the demon I could find when she described it to me. It has the mm -hmm. giant body of a spider, but it has the upper torso of a woman, and it would it was roaming up and down the halls of her home all the time. And whenever she was in the basement, she would get very, very uncomfortable in this big house that they had finally bought, bought it for a steal. That's a clue, mm -hmm. by the way, when you buy that house and it's real cheap. <laughs> yeah, you better check its background. There's a reason why. Um, yeah, and it was um, and uh, long and short, a lot of horrible images that would appear to the children, to all the families, they would see all this. And we found out, uh, I did some investigation and found out that that house originally was used for housing uh, nursing home uh, uh, patients, if you will. Mm -hmm. And downstairs was a large group shower where there was horrible abuses going on. Mm -hmm. And all of those, um, uh, and there had been deaths in the place. So you had all of these, some people call them energies. We, we see them as imprints. Certain things will imprint in a home. And also anguish and torment will bring demons because they feed on it. If it's mm -hmm. negative, they love it. That's, that's, like a, that's like a pepperoni pizza to a demon. If, it, if there's mm. anger, rage, pain, misery, oh, they thrive on it because they want to see us. Remember, demons were angels who were supposed to serve us. They didn't want that. We're the monkeys. Mm -hmm. That's why when that guy called me a monkey, that term has been found time and time and time again, because that's how demons see us. We are simple monkeys. And the mm -hmm. fact that they have to, they were supposed to serve us, galled Satan and everybody with him. And that's why mm -hmm. to this day, that's why they, there's no fondness for us at all by them. Uh, but once we found this background, we did what we call a rogation, which is a very large a very in-depth blessing and an exorcism of the place mm -hmm. gone disappeared the, now, uh, when they leave do they kind of make a give you guys a sign as far as like a noise like I, i've heard some people say you know slam the door on your way out or they might report something like a door slamming or something just to indicate they've left or a loud shriek or something um, very common. Uh, one of the things that we won't do in Anglicanism is we don't command them to do a dang thing. Mm -hmm. No, 
the only command I want you to hear is get out. Mm. Um, we don't tell them to do things. Um, there was a tradition in the medieval times called the grimoire tradition where people were, they were summoning demons and, and using them to do tasks. Um, and I have, I always feel bad every time I move because the, the movers always look in my library at my books and they're like, who is this guy? Cause I got all this weird stuff in my library, <laughs> but they used to use magic circles with sigils and signs. Um, one case that I dealt with, with an exorcism, I can send, I got the pictures. I, I saved them where these images would instantly appear on this young girl's skin. They would just grow right out of her skin. Mm. And this, this is a, she was a 10th grader. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know about the um, she doesn't know about the grimoire of Honorius or any of these other things. She's not going to have that kind of knowledge, and certainly not be able to create those intricate little sigils. Yet they appeared on her skin, mostly places where she couldn't reach. Mm-hmm. And the, the demons do that because they want to freak us out. Right. The reason so, normally they want to hide in the person. Yeah. You don't want to be discovered. They're happy right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't start manifesting unless they're starting to get cornered, right. and then they're going to try to scare us away. Um, there is within the Jewish tradition, there's a thing called a dibbic, which is a box. And that mm. box, hold, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the, the dibbic box holds a, these spirits. Um, they have two types. You'll have the dibbic, which is a spirit that has not let, has not gone to heaven yet to see God. Mm-hmm. And it stays anchored here for some reason. This is mm-hmm. the classic idea of ghosts that can't leave for one reason right. or another. And then you have a Gilgal. And a Gilgal is one that's gone to have gone to see God and God has condemned them and send them back to earth where they will be punished eternally by two angels who will constantly beat them and torment them. And the only way that they cannot be tormented is entering a human mm. because the demons aren't going to, I mean, the angels aren't going to beat the human, but mm-hmm. the, but the, and they, so they seek refuge in a human again, different traditions, different cultures, but you have to study all of these. So you understand because the person coming to you may not be an Anglican. They may not even know what the heck an Anglican is. All they know is, hey, this, this guy may know something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't command demons because that was a very dangerous practice that started in the medieval times. And the Roman church at the time said, knock that off. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring something that's a lot stronger than you think you can control, you're, you're, you're bringing all this stuff in. What's wrong with you? So we don't, we don't tell them to do anything except go. But frequently that happens in many cases. And I know of other uh, denominations that will, they'll want the name of the demon. I don't care what your name is. Get the hell out of here. Excuse mm-hmm. me. No, you uh, be careful. Be careful what you're asking. Because if you engage in conversation, remember, they've been around since the beginning of time. They're a whole right. lot smarter than you are. Don't let your oh, ego yeah. think that you're smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. So I don't give them a chance. Get the heck out. Yeah. Um, I know what uh, Graham 12, have you read his book, uh, Jesus the Exorcist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was talking about this. Got it in the shelf. Yep. Oh yeah, I got mine right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading that one, and then uh, Hallowell's book, Playing with Fire, at the same time. But he was talking about um, why you would find some of them asking the name. It's like exercise power over them or something. Yep. Yep. I'm not Jesus, and you know, if we could just, I'm not condemning the practice. Right. Uh, and and in fact, I know some of my colleagues by because names have tremendous power. Mm-hmm. And demons will typically not want to give that name at all. Mm-hmm. So they will give other names or um, they will, they'll beat around the bush. They'll give the name of another demon or something such as that, because it is true. It has power. 
I, yeah. I will not argue with that. You are a thousand percent correct. The, the, the name of a demon has power. The thing is, the temptation is to keep talking to them. Yeah. Because they will start telling you. One of the things that you got to watch is uh, when you have, like, if we go for the exercise, it's not just you and me and the person. I'll bring a, a team with me if right. I'm doing an exorcism. And because you need, if there, if it's a woman, you need to have another, at least no one other lady there. You need mm -hmm. to have witnesses. You have to have EMS on standby. We have all these things there. Um, and one of the things that they love to do, and, and of course, within Anglicanism, we believe in sacramental confession. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we have a, so we will, we come together and we ask God to forgive us of our sins and, 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 and absolve us of our sins and so forth. And the priest will offer, offer absolute, God forgives for the sins. The priest tells you you have been forgiven. That's absolution. People get that confused all the time. It's not me that's forgiving you. It's God. I'm just telling you that he's done it. Um, but anyway, we do that because you go into an exorcism. One of the first things when the demon starts getting caught, and I've seen this happen many times, when they start getting hammered in and you start nailing them and they, mm. they, they really hate it. Oh, we yeah. will do things that they hate and it's very uncomfortable for them. They'll start naming all the sins of the people there. Oh, wow. Because they want, to, they want to embarrass them. They want to scare them. They want to chase them away. One of the reasons I know of Christ's power is because whenever we have, and we will do this sacramental confession before, right before we begin, because they'll start and then they can't because it's gone. Mm -hmm. God has forgiven us. Um, unless there's someone there like EMS or someone else that wasn't part of that, then they'll still go right after them. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, the, these things, they're very smart. They know what they're doing. They look for the weaknesses that every one of us has. And, uh, and they will try to expose it to everybody in the group in a way to humiliate the person, to break their resolve. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's a very real thing. So engaging in a lot of conversation with them can be tricky. Uh, and it's really not necessary. Mm -hmm. if, they, if I get the name out of them, great. That's all I need. But it's mm -hmm. the name of Christ that does it. Uh, his name is supreme over all of these things. Mm -hmm. To me, they're the monkeys. You, you were right. the guys that wasted your perfect opportunity of paradise. Don't blame me for your stupid decision. Sorry, mm -hmm. that's harsh. But <laughs> Would you, you have to look at it that way. You got uh, exorcists. One thing that we do, a common thing, is that we're not apologetic at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, the demons made their choice. Right. You're going to roast in hell for the rest of eternity. And right now they just want to take as many of us as they can. So, you know mm -hmm. what? I ain't got no sympathy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sorry. No, you're fine. Um, do you, do you find like, you know, let's say somebody's spouse is, is possessed, you know, would you have to perform anything over the other spouse as far, not like a possession, but maybe a blessing or just kind of yes. see if they're okay. Yes. Uh, and many times it's the spouse that brings the person to us uh, because okay. they have since, like I said, they pulled away from the church. They pulled away from their pastor. They've stopped whatever their religious practice or, or they never had it. And all of a sudden they're, they're really showing these signs of things. But and the spouse needs a lot of backup and protection because mm -hmm. the demon in attacking the one person is also wearing away the spouse. And many times what'll happen is it's the spouse. The spouse can be a very profound believer and the person that's a, afflicted, what we call the energumen, that person, they're the ones affected. They weren't nearly as strong in the faith or not a, a practicing at all. Mm -hmm. It's a two for one deal. 
because not only because the demon, yeah, the demon is getting the low hanging fruit of the non-believer, but it's wearing away emotionally and physically at the believer who is the spouse or other family members. We see that constantly. So we will always offer, um, when we begin, we ask for, we have a series of prayers that we use to protect ourselves as the team mm -hmm. and everybody present in the room. And when we are finished, we, the spouse, uh, loved ones, the family, everybody's all put aside and we call upon God to ward and protect each of them mm -hmm. to send his angels to guard them. Because right now, boy, they're pretty fragile. Right. right. There's been a lot. It's a lot to go through. And, um, and exorcisms are not a lot of times this thing where you see, I'm going to go for four days until it's done. No. Uh, in fact, sometimes it takes weeks. And what we do mm -hmm. is you chip away every day. You keep coming back. The mm -hmm. Roman model, which they use now is that they will sometimes see people twice a week and they just come back and spend a couple hours with them all the time. Uh, those cases where you hear about people dying during exorcism, none of those were sanctioned by the Roman church. They were offshoots mm -hmm. of the Roman church that did not work with authority, but they get blamed for it. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we, we've kind of learned from that process ourselves. Um, and you chip away at it. It takes time. Depending on the strength of the demon, it's going to take a while. It's not like baptism, where when you are baptized as a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes into you. Bam! It's there. You've got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Exorcism is a member when Jesus was talking about how his disciples were able to set, cast out all these demons, but they couldn't, they couldn't cast out the demon in that child, no matter what they did. And they were right. like, why not? And mm -hmm. Jesus says, this particular kind takes great prayers and fasting. So mm -hmm. what that tells you is we have part of this that relies on us. Within Anglicanism, we have the sacraments of the church, baptism, the Eucharist, confirmation, holy orders, all these. Um, and those are unique. Those, those happen by the grace of God. They happen. Mm -hmm. Boom. Period. End of story. It, uh, I could be the worst priest in the world, but if I'm offering the Eucharist and I'm following the proper form and the matter and I, and I am ordained and I'm able to do it, it becomes, in our view, the body and blood of Christ. doesn't matter what kind of a train wreck I am. But for exorcism and things like that, they're called sacramentals. I have a part in that. My faith, my strength, I become a faucet, if you will. And God's grace is the water that flows through it. The more mm -hmm. gunked up that faucet, the less that grace can flow through. Everybody has, everybody's a faucet. Everyone, priest, mm -hmm. lady, doesn't matter. Uh, that's why so many people who can do these miraculous things by the grace of God is because they're that faucet's completely open. Right. And, and the same thing is true in exorcism or anything else, mm -hmm. not, not to get off of scope, but you, but you have to protect the families. And that's why when we ask for God to protect these people it, it, uh, and shield them and guard them, it's that same, we're asking for that same grace to be bestowed upon them. And God knows what they've been through. Mm -hmm. and, and, he, and he's there for it. But we right. have to believe. You can't just mutter some words and it just happens. It's not how this works. Mm -hmm. If I don't believe it, I'm wasting right. time. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing, um, you know, not only with you, but various others, uh, either books, how it seems like it's, it's, it's a major, uh, I hate to say issue, but, you know, as you say, you're, you're getting people who are not even Christian 
who are coming for help. Even the Catholic churches report now Catholic churches is what you mentioned prior are opening their doors to people who are involved with the ministry of exorcism um, to discuss on a broader level ecumenically to find out what are y'all doing versus what are we doing? How can we help? Can you, can you tell us about um, people who are coming who are not Christian and then also about what uh, the Catholic church has going on as far as opening their doors to people of different um, belief systems? Well, I can make the, 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 the comment about the Roman Catholic Church is pretty simple. They opened up their training program here, I guess, five, five, six years ago. I think mm -hmm. it is. They, they opened their training program to people who were, um, uh, and, and it's heavily screened. You don't need, we don't let journalists in. We don't, you know, these are people that are approved by the hierarchy of their particular church. Mostly when you go there now, we have about 100, 120 people come to every training class. Pope Benedict some years ago said, and Pope Francis has been right on board with, uh, but actually really uh, Pope St. John Paul the Great was the one who said, okay, enough playing around. We need to get exorcists in every diocese and we need to make this happen now. We've gotten away from the, because of lawsuits and bad publicity and all this other stuff, people have shied away from ministry. That ends. Mm -hmm. And they started this training program at the, Athenaeum uh, Regina Apostolorum, which is the, the, the Queen of Angels um, University there in Rome, and the Pontifical University there. And they teach this program twice a year. Easily 100-some people show up. Now, over the past uh, four years, huge chunk is mm -hmm. Anglicans, because we share much of the same theology. Um, and also um, Lutherans. Mm -hmm. A good percentage as well. Uh, the year before last, we had a Lutheran bishop came up to speak. Uh, I spoke about Anglicanism and exorcism, and he spoke about the Lutheran church in South America. And he had videos and photos that'll curl your hair. Oh, um, wow. A woman just levit right off the ground, just levitating about, you know, six feet up oh. off the ground. Four guys hanging, their feet are just swinging in the air. They can't even get her down onto the ground. Um, and this is in a hut. Okay. We're not talking about a stage setup for a magic act. I mean, this is a hut. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, 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 people will love to claim fakes, but it's like, you know, you can only do so much in those types of environments, right. uh, but he would use key words. And all of a sudden you could see the falter, the, the mm -hmm. body would shift in a little bit because you're, you're breaking the concentration of the demon is what you're doing. And that's mm -hmm. part of my current doctoral research anyway, but Rome has opened the doors to this training program. People can come and attend this program if they, first off, if they, you know, believe in it, uh, if, if it is a ministry within their church and if they've been licensed by their, the ecclesi ecclesiastical authority, whatever it may be to do that. And typically it's going to be the bishop kind of setup. Uh, they also train deliverance ministers, deliverance ministers who are overwhelmingly the laity because they want an active part in this. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God, they they want to join the fight, and it is a huge turnout uh, for um, members of the lady who come to be deliverance ministers are also trained in this. It's spoke. They have translators. Everybody has. It's in French, uh, Spanish, English, Italian. Of course, they don't need, uh, and it's all translated, recorded, videoed, and um, we still have. We keep this this communication open forth with different people all the time. They're very, they want to hear about case histories. They share their case histories. Uh, we mm -hmm. talked about statistics. We just had a webinar uh, last week 
about um, uh, where is the where is the church and where's the Roman church in different countries? How many diocese? How many dioceses have established exorcists? Some still have not. What kind of cases are they seeing? Within the ACNA, we are tracking it now because each of us is working on our own, but now we're putting it all together under one on bishop so we can track the demographics of these things. Um, okay, so that, that's what Rome is doing. And it's, and it's, it's out there. It's not, it's not they're, they're making sure that people are well aware of the ministry. Um, they still keep the identity of the exorcist typically hidden for various reasons. Right. Um, but um I'm kind of burned at this point, so people know who I am, so I'm kind of stuck. Uh, my daughter still shakes their head. They're like, oh, dad, please. Anyway, um, but um, now for people who come, uh, the people that will sometimes seek, I can only, I can speak for me, but I have a lot of people who come to me. They have been, one woman was a, uh, she was a witch. She readily acknowledged having been a witch for 30 years, mm -hmm. uh, would practice black magic. Um mm and uh it, it hexes curses everything very very some of those you got to be careful because your first thing is okay am i being scammed and i hate to say that but it happens a lot it happens right uh but I, a lot of people are, are are they're they're messing around uh, and mm -hmm. what they don't understand by the way is that's an invitation too because i have people later come back to me and say you know when i did that before something bad has now started to happen well yeah because you oh. called the names you start knocking at the door you pretend to be involved in this guess what now you're involved with it, whether you wanted it or not. Right. Um, but you'll get um, this lady, for example, 30 years in this practice, and it started to kill her. Mm. Uh, there's always a price. You ask for power. God is the only one who will give God gives us peace and grace mm -hmm. at, at, at a cost. Yeah, we have to behave and do what he says. Ooh, that's horrible. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's all he asks. These other forces, oh, they'll give you power all right. Mm -hmm. but they want something back right. and she started getting she developed a lot of illnesses that the doctors said i got nothing i, I don't we don't know what's causing this we don't know what's happening here uh vomiting blood um uh, and and there's a lot of things that medically can cause that but then they go in and look and perfectly healthy mm -hmm. she's under horrible torment huge gashes would open up on her body and it was ironic that it would be like the lashings of christ during his passion you know, mm -hmm. so there, there's an I see there's an irony. Demons love to poke in the eye. Okay? Yes. So there, there's an example. I mean, not only not a, a Christian, but the far opposite. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people who will say that they, they were believers in the past, but they've fallen away from the church or they've lost their faith is a common thing. Mm -hmm. And I've had many people who are at church three times a day. And they are, they typically, you don't typically see possession there but you will see unbelievable oppression. I mean, an oppression typically shows is physical. You'll have the physical attacks and the physical damages and so forth because Satan is trying to beat them down. If he can't get through to them spiritually, he's going to go medical because he's going to wear them down physically. And then it's in that weakened state. They can really start to make you lose hope. Once yeah. you lose hope, they're in. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. i tell you what, let's slide in. Um, I really don't want to go with this. Okay, let's. Sorry, I'm talking so much. I'm taking. No, so much no, this is I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> oh, this is fine. You're perfect. This is good. Um, so would you say you get a lot more, like people that are not Christian come? Like, would you say they're more so in another religion, like uh, Hinduism, Buddhism? You know, than more noted ones, or would you say they're more so they don't have anything to do with 
those you know type of religion those worldviews but are more involved in the uh, cult it it's very um i mentioned that my wife and i both are with the state department we both just retired from a tour in bangkok thailand mm -hmm. and in thailand there is a it is a buddhist country it is buddhism is the state religion mm -hmm. um but there is a tremendous mixing of animism and spiritism within their culture. Mm -hmm. uh, every building that you go to, particularly a government building, has a spirit house. And these are little houses that are built somewhere on the property and, the and they have offerings there for it. And the purpose is when you, the idea is that when I built, when I dig up the foundation to put in this building, I have now disrupted the living place of those spirits, what we would call the genus loci, which is the, 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 the species that lives there, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so to keep them happy, they make them another place to live on the property. Mm -hmm. And they'll offer, it used to be they would leave blood offerings, in fact, mm -hmm. and other things like that. But the government finally said, stop doing that. So now they leave strawberry Fanta. If you go on the internet, and if you look at uh, spirit houses thailand you'll see pictures and all of them will have these little bottles of uh red fanta drink it's to symbolize a blood offering to the demons that live there so it's tremendously interwoven uh within buddhism there are exorcists there is a rite of exorcism within buddhism of course there's several different sects of buddhism mm -hmm. but there is such a thing um they have uh, they have methods in which that's done the same way as it is in Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, in Islam, um, the imams have certain powers to expel what are called jinn, J-I-N-N. Those are the evil demons. They can be evil, they can be good, or they can be in between. The color of them, the jinn, of course, that word later became genie. Mm -hmm. We know genies. There is a reason why in the Disney movie Aladdin, there's a reason why genie was blue. Because that is the color that is believed to be benevolent gin. Mm -hmm. If you are red, if you were born of fire, and you're evil. The, so different cultures all have this. And the reason is simple. We all face demons. Anthropologists will say, well, we just borrow from each other. Well, maybe it's because we all have to deal with demons. Right. The, the Mesopotamians, the Babylonians... Mm -hmm. Samaritans, uh, the, uh, the Assyrians, they all had exorcisms, rites, and, and practices because they all faced demons just like we do. Right. It was it was common. Um, you know, I mean, even in our, our New Testament, we find there was other exorcists besides Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, John said, I think it's John chapter 9. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. Uh, John said, he said, well, Master, we tried to stop him because he was casting yeah. out you know i mean it was evidence and you know yeah. you had the sons of skiva you know the sons of skiva is a great right. example of it there where and there used to and there's been professional exorcists in um in cultures to this day mm -hmm. uh, you can go on um uh, amazon and they call it exorcism in a box and it's a kit oh wow that you can buy that people will use to perform exorcisms nah i'm all right <laughs> again i know which again don't poke the tiger because exactly. the tiger can bite and, and, and people can be very well-meaning in this, mm. but this is, you don't mess around with exorcism any more than you mess around with the occult, unless you're right. read for it, trained and prepared and know what's going to happen. Exactly. Same thing. Exactly. Um, that's, I mean, that's why, I mean, you know, it's just so it, you know, you had like, um, the cynics or either philosophers or whoever that will walk around knock on people's doors and say you want to cast a demon out or 
mm-hmm. send something to somebody. You know, it was it was common. You know, mm-hmm. it was during the New Testament. Um, I guess let's uh, let's go inside in this portion. So let's talk about because you deal with spiritual warfare as, as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's all it's all connected. It's all right. part of the Okay, because some people believe like, all right, spiritual warfare, we're going to go out and we're going to fight these uh, spirits. Paul tells us, put on the armor, we're going to go and fight. What, what, do you, what do you think about Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, mm. as far as spiritual warfare? Yeah, the, the armor of God, uh, I think people have to ask themselves, why on earth would Paul tell us about this in the first place? Mm-hmm. If it wasn't something that was critical. It is. Mm-hmm. We are under attack. Um, and, it, and we have been. We have been. The problem is, is now it's all hidden. Remember, before Christ came, all these different cultures had all these different gods. Those gods were demons. Mm-hmm. They had power. They had capability. I mean, people are not stupid. To, uh, the idea that I'm smarter than someone who was in ancient Egypt centuries ago. Yeah, these people beat the pyramids. I'm lucky I can even put together a doghouse, okay? So <laughs> let's be realistic. That to, to say that, well, people in the ancient times were all stupid and they didn't know any better, that's foolish. Mm-hmm. Wrong. I, I think it's a big mistake. And my point being is that these people somehow developed these beliefs in gods, and it wasn't because, oh, I had a good harvest, so I'm going to create a god and say, ooh, thank you. No, that's not how that works. These demons portrayed, they showed signs. Well, Moses, the magicians, they, they, were motive, they had powers that was given to them through that same source to try to defeat what Moses was doing. So the demons of the ancient time were the gods of all these cultures and were also you know, the, the protagonists or antagonists, mm-hmm. and the people had to learn how to deal with them. And they developed these different rights to, to, to counteract them. We have been under attack since the fall of man. Yeah. We're going to be under attack until the end of time. The difference is, do you notice that when Jesus, I know you know this, brother, but when Jesus came, you notice how the demons kept calling him out by name? Mm-hmm. Oh, son of the ever-living God, what would you have to do with me? Why do you think he would tell them to shut up? Mm. See, yeah, if I'm if I'm the son of, I mean, if people are to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and He absolutely is, let's just make that very clear. From from my perspective, that's all there is to it. But if Jesus is the Son of God, and the demons are saying, "What would you have with us, oh, uh, you know, oh, Jesus, the Son of God, or the Son of Man? What would you? What would you? It is not yet our time." And He tells every time, "Shut up." Mm-hmm. Why would He do that? Wouldn't you think He would want? them to clarify for their apostles who sometimes I hate to say it, the disciples were not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Right. But then again, neither am I. So what can I say? There was a reason for all of that. Why he told them to shut up because they weren't trying to give him credit. They had a whole different motive and they're messing with the son of God. Satan himself thought he was so smart. He could tempt Jesus into walking away from God in the desert. Of course he got shut down. Oh, yeah. That's the level of pride we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Ever since Jesus started his ministry and started basically slapping these demons around and, and, and banishing them and casting them out, notice how all of a sudden it went away. And a lot of people will say that, well, it's because Christianity stomped its way into the countries, took over, destroyed the other religions and so forth. No, that's because the demons went, they went into hiding. Mm. Because now we have a tool. Before, we didn't have the tool, the name of Christ, that Mm -hmm. is so powerful. So now the demons work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. They have been doing it for, for, well, centuries now. 
And a lot of people will gaff this off and laugh it off. But when you sometimes deem, we don't ask demons questions, but sometimes they'll just talk mm-hmm. and you just listen. Mm-hmm. You just listen. And, and some, and you'll know when they're starting to lie to you, but I mean, they start talking and, and there are some that are very strong and some that are very weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff you hear, it's like, yep. Okay. I'm understanding how we got to this point. Right. So we as Christians must wear the armor because we are being attacked every day. Mm-hmm. And I know people will gaff that off. Okay. Do it to your own harm, but it, it can't hurt you as a believer. Mm-hmm. to do this how is it going to hurt protect yourself because we got an enemy that can't stand us that wants to see us destroyed calls us monkeys mm-hmm. saint peter tells us he's roaming around like a lion right take it to heart folks and and wearing that armor every day you got to do it because he's going to chip at you when you don't expect it that's right well i tell you what thank you for joining us on today this has been a wonderful episode um hopefully you're not too frightened but hopefully you take courage in christ jesus you have nothing to fear if you are a christian you have nothing to fear paul said in philippians 2 10 and 11 that at that name of jesus christ every knee shall bow in heaven on earth under the earth and confess that he is lord amen so we rejoice in that Dr. Junger, thank you so much. And uh, you said you're working on a PhD? Is it a PhD? Uh, yeah. Uh, what I, my research is, is how do demons actually attach? Mm. Uh, how, where in the central nervous system do they attach? Mm-hmm. And and because it's not magic. If it were magic, then it would be easy to break it. Um, mm-hmm. This process of having to chisel away at them, I have, I have an idea of, of why that happens and why some things are more effective than others. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have, I'm putting that all together to now <laughs> oh wow just what i need another doctorate oh my gosh when will i learn oh hey <laughs> you gotta let me know when that comes out so i can uh, i can get you this published dissertation i'm trying to avoid just the student loans that'll be the best thing yeah who you telling <laughs> all right I'm, I'm piled up now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you have any resources like if anybody wants to study this like study demonology exorcism do you have any resources you recommend or it, any work that you have put out there's there's a fantastic amount of uh, uh, references out there. Some of it, woof, you got to be careful because mm-hmm. a lot of it is um, bizarre. Um, yes. Stuff that I would, for deliverance ministry and dealing with demonic oppression, mm-hmm. anything written by Francis McNutt, M-C-N-U-T-T. Uh, he was a former Roman Catholic priest who, mm-hmm. uh, frankly, met the love of his life. And um, they had been together. They were in the ministry together. Um, and did phenomenal work for decades. He just passed away recently. He writes tremendous books on the topics from the beginning level all the way up. Um, I've mentioned uh, Canon Mark Quay, Q-U-A-Y. He has written a book called The Minister's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. Mm-hmm. And this book in particular is excellent because it is, it's not just for priests, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is for anybody who is looking at this ministry from deliverance ministry, from exorcism, and also just how this takes place. He talks about the history, but he talks about logistics. He talks about things that people can do in your own home because mm-hmm. you own that home. You have power and dominion in that home. Um, the old thing where uh, vampires couldn't enter a home unless they were invited. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. guess what? There's some fact in that. Now, yeah. people are going to say, oh my gosh, this guy believes in vampires. He's crazy. No, but I mean, <laughs> in a lot of cases, that infestation that we talk about, how it begins, uh-huh. they have to gain an access. And people have the power to bless and sanctify their homes. They can do what's called a rogation, where they can purge things from their homes. Mm-hmm. As the, the homeowner has the power to tell the demon, you are not welcome here. Mm-hmm. But most people don't do it in the commanding voice of Jesus that gives them the power to do that. Because in the name of Jesus, I tell you, you must leave this place and you must leave it now. You are not welcome here and all who are with you shall leave now. And um, you can, and these are things in, in Canon Mark's book where he talks about all these different things that people can do to help themselves that they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely can. Uh, you said his name was Canon Quay, is it? Yeah, it's Mark Quay. Mark. Q-U-A-Y, and it's the uh, the Minister's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. It's a it's not a giant tome, but it's packed with good information, and he is the president of the Society for Special Pastoral Intervention. Okay. Um, Dr. Hauser, you'd already mentioned, um, one of the things I love about Dr. Hauser's books is he'll just make you sit back and scratch your head and go, wow, I didn't think about that. Um, his understanding of, of the demonic hierarchy and so forth is uh, most impressive, and I've enjoyed reading some of his stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people may not, it, it kind of clashes with where some some denominations may be, but his, his scholarship is excellent, but it's a little deep. What's the, And what's the name of the book? Uh, he's, he's got, his is called the unseen world. Unseen world. Okay. And what he's talking about, it's written for, uh, the average person. It's not some dusty scholarly tome that's going to make you want to beat your head against the wall. Cause it feels good when you stop. Oh, you're talking uh, about, uh, Michael Heiser. Heiser. Yeah. I'm sorry. Heiser. Yeah. Hit yeah, Heiser, not Hauser. Heiser. His, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. sorry. It's a long day. I need more coffee. Um, it's an excellent. Yeah. That book is fantastic for, yes, the, it is. for this, the whole, as you've already read it, so you know. Uh, but for people who want to have uh, good information, Dr. Peck's book that you had up a minute ago, mm-hmm. that's excellent in terms of case histories and what he as a physician has observed. Um, we really have to be careful about separating TV and movies. Um, what I will tell you is that in real life, the stuff that you will see will make the movies look ridiculous. Yeah. And not, not because of the graphicness, mm-hmm. because of the intensity. Mm-hmm. Um you don't question, you know, when you, it's not because something spins its head around three times and climbs up the wall backwards. Although I will say that tends to be a clue, but there is an intensity and a malevolence that is present in true possession cases that you will never forget. And no, no movie can ever prove it to you. And when we see the signs that we are looking for, that we don't advertise, no human can create that. I don't care if they're a magician. I don't care if they're whatever. You can't make these signs happen. Mm-hmm. That's why we use them. When you see that happen, you know you're playing with a real deal here. Yeah. So, and uh, especially when you have medical doctors that will call noted exorcists in the church, said, "I, this isn't anything mental. This, you know, we had our resident psych, uh, psychiatrists, medical doctors, blood work's normal, everything's normal. Something else is going on." And we get a lot of those calls. Um, it's it's difficult because medicine does not want to admit that it, it can't solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not picking. I'm just I come from a medical background. I mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, same with psychiatry. It's everybody wants to put it into the DSM five, but even DSM five, the newest manual, the newest edition, now recognizes what they call possession state. Now, what does DSM stand for? 
it, it's the um, it's it's the actual manual that is used for the um, the diagnoses of psychiatric disorders. Okay. Um, and it is basically what it lists all of the recognized known psychiatric conditions mm-hmm. and gives the classic clinical indicators of what how you diagnose that particular syndrome. If mm-hmm. I think I have this, do I have this? If I don't have this, then you then it's over here. And this, uh, they have finally put possession, demonic possession in there. They've gentled it a little bit by saying that if the person comes from a belief system that believes in demonic possession, mm-hmm. and they have some of these criteria, maybe you got something that, that isn't going to fit the rest of this. So even they are acknowledging yeah, there's some stuff out there we just can't explain no matter how hard we try. Right, right. I tell you what, um, do you want to close this out in prayer for offer a prayer for anybody that, you know, may be feeling like they are oppressed or they, they're spiritually under attack? If you want to offer us a prayer, I would greatly appreciate it. I know my audience will as well. I would be very honored. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, blessed and merciful Lord. You see before us your children. We yearn for you, Lord, every day, whether we know you by the name that you have called us or whether we are searching in darkness to try to find you. We desperately need your help, Lord. The evil one is around us and is persecuting us every day. You know this, as you have not left us abandoned. Please fortify us, Lord, and give us your strength May the light of your beloved son show through the darkness that the demons cast in this world. May he be the beacon in the soul of every person on earth so that we can see through the disguise and through the lies of Satan and his minions and cast them from our lives in the powerful name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you fill us with your grace and strength and that through the power of Christ, we may wear your armor and be protected against those forces that seek to destroy us every day. May we walk in your grace, and we give you thanks that you would deign to let us be your children, Lord. In that gratitude, we offer it in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Father Younger. We uh, appreciate you stopping by with us on today. Um, What an exciting episode please uh, get those resources that he's talking about. If you have an interest in here, Uh, you know, just demonology or exorcism and some people that may have affinitude academically, uh, but nonetheless, this is nothing to play around with. So anyway, we thank you for stopping by. We are praying for our country. You know, Um, I I know some of my audience is probably like, you didn't give any news. Well, election. (laughs) Tying everything up. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to turn on the TV right now. I'm just so inundated, you know. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, um, well, hey, we'll appreciate this, and and maybe we can have you back. I, I enjoyed our conversation. I'd love to hear more about your uh, your academic research in this as well. When it when you get it published, and you know you have a break and time to relax. So. I'm sorry I took so much time talking. There's nothing worse no, than getting, nothing worse than getting an Anglican on a roll. We don't know when to shut up. <laughs> no, you're absolutely fine. We it, I enjoyed it. I know my audience enjoys it. We'll enjoy it. So we appreciate if it. If you should have any questions that I might be able to help them with, please, by all means. Yes. Let me know. Where where can they reach you at if they have uh, any questions? Uh my email is simple. It's uh one word, Saint Jude's Ministries, S T J U D E S 
ministries at gmail.com. And that's what I use for the, for the, for the parish, for, I mean, for the diocese. Um, uh, just, and also your, uh, your local clergy, certainly, but don't be afraid to, a lot of people will tell you, don't, don't look into this because you're going to open the door. You, you need to be prepared. There's a, at least knowing what you're dealing with and knowing what's out there. Um, like I said, we, we are targets and I, I don't want people to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the vast majority of people will not be afflicted in their lives. Uh, most of us are oppressed at least a little bit, one way or the other, some much more than others, because that's just because, hey, we put a target on our back, the day we proclaim Christ as our Savior. Right. That's okay, I'll wear that target. I'll take it. But uh, it, yeah, it's tough. So if anybody, if there's anything ever I can do to help, please let me know. Uh, you, certainly, brother, are a fantastic resource, so I hope people will continue to get in touch with you for your wisdom, because you certainly definitely have your ball together on this stuff. And uh, obviously Christ's presence rests well in you. You can, you can see it in you just talking to you. Well, praise God. I I rejoice at that. Lord knows I've had a experience myself and uh, some stories I can tell it, it might make your head. Okay. Yeah. But I'm confirming with other people. And so, um, but I, I praise God for that. I just praise God for, um, you, Dr. Younger, and there is a ministry for this. There's a uh, place for help that, and I often tell people, I say one thing that what the enemy wants to do is is seclude, divide, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, and that's a whole. You hit it dead on the head, brother. And I should have mentioned there. That's the, one of the first things he'll do. Mm-hmm. Is he will whoever he. You know how you hear about how coyotes or wolves and stuff will when they're chasing a herd, they will cut off the weaker ones or the, yep. the ill ones and so forth and separate them from the herd and, and isolate them. Mm-hmm. That's what he typically will do to people, particularly Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually people are uh, a lot of other people who aren't of any faith. He ain't got to bother. But one of the first things he'll try to do is cut that person off and isolate them from their support groups. I should have mentioned that earlier. I'm sorry, but you nailed no, it on the head. And that's, that's the first tactic. Mm-hmm. And so stay, uh, stay connected with our social media because I will put, uh, the email address uh, Father Younger uh, gave us. Um, so if you have any questions or if you need to talk to somebody who is professionally trained, licensed, ordained in this particular ministry, uh, I mean, when the Catholic Church calls him to give him lectures on this, you know, he takes this very seriously. So um, again, thank you all for listening to another episode of Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 podcast. Uh, praise God for y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you for the support that you all give us. We are, we just hit over a thousand downloads. That's amazing on our pie being Spotify and iTunes. So we, we rejoice and thank God that people are listening and connect with us on social media. You can get with us on Instagram at TBT Hosea four six. You can also get with us on Facebook at truth be told Hosea four six podcast. So Instagram again, one more time, TBT Hosea 46. You can find us on Instagram. And then Facebook, you're going to spell all of that out. Truth be told, Hosea 46 podcast. All right. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And Got it right here. Oh, sweet. Shoot me a firm request because I'm going to follow you back. <laughs> Just did it. Thank you. Sweet. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Praying for you. Peace. Peace.